Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. Tonight, I have a sweet friend of mine, Kelsey, and we met, oh gosh, maybe almost three years ago now, and I have just had the joy of of knowing her and, and watching her care for her family and just her friends. So I'm so excited you get to meet her tonight. And so, Kelsey, thank you for being here, and I would love for you to just introduce yourself to our listeners before we dive into your story. Hi, I'm Kelsey Robinson, and I have uh, two young boys, and I am a stay-at-home mom to both of them. I currently homeschool them, and my husband is a firefighter. You know, we're going to focus on your story, but I just need to pause and say thank you, because we honor our firefighters and our first responders and our military and our police officers so often, but I always like to make sure that we thank and honor their families, too, because I know that that is a sacrifice that you give and that your boys give as well. So speaking of your children, I know that when you had your first son, that was kind of a big turning point in your life story. And you have been just a caretaker in so many senses of that word. So I would love to ask you to just kind of take us through your life story and where those turning points came and how you found yourself in a caretaking role and and where God was in the middle of all of it. All right. So I was raised in a Mormon household. Uh, My dad came from a very big Mormon family, and it was probably about, I want to say, maybe middle school where I kind of started just kind of like questioning different things and, you know, kind of where my curiosity began with the Lord. And one of the biggest things I can remember is our teacher. She used to always tell us, like, if you just pray about it, you will hear the Lord tell you that it that the church is true. And I think one of the biggest things was I thought I was always doing that, and I just wasn't sure that I ever really got the answer that I was looking for. And so throughout my middle school and high school years, you know, I kind of had some curiosity with my faith and different things, but I just, I wasn't really sure what to believe then. And so then my senior year of high school, my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer. She had actually gotten sick when I was in sixth grade, and they had told us that she wasn't going to live to the next morning. They diagnosed her with a stroke. My dad was in Dallas, Texas for a training for his work. And I remember my grandparents taking us back to their house and telling us that by the time we woke up in the morning, my mom was not going to be alive. And that was a really, really hard time in my life. And I think at that point was when I kind of just, I wasn't really sure that I could believe in anything because of what was happening. And the next morning, we woke up to my grandma coming in and crying. And she was telling us that my mom remembered our names and that she was still here. So then flash forward to my senior year in high school, my mom and my dad were on a motorcycle trip and they came home and she was having some more symptoms. And my mom (laughs) is not a person that likes to go to the doctor or anything. Like, I don't blame her. I am am much the same. 
And she told my dad, I think you need to take me to the hospital. So we kind of knew something was going on. And so they took her to the hospital and they um, immediately transferred her up to OHSU because they noticed some stuff was going on in her brain where her previous issue had happened. And come to find out, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. We then had to decide to do surgery and all of that. And so I think at that point in my life, I just... I was going through a really hard time and I was angry and I was sad and I was confused and I just thought, how can something like this happen? And if really, if God is real, like how can something like this happen? I just was at that angry point and I remember driving up to the hospital just thinking to myself like, well, this is why I haven't been super faithful because... This just, I, I just can't believe when something like this is happening to us again, you know? So anyways, my mom was diagnosed at that point. She ended up having surgery a couple weeks later. I remember my dad had, I believe they call it like a blessing, something that they do in the Mormon church when someone is sick or something like that, they come and bless them. And I remember them coming in to my mom, but she wasn't very active in the church, but I remember how much she wanted that blessing seeing that in her was giving me hope, but I still was just kind of at that angry point. So shortly after my mom had her surgery, I just kind of, I feel like I kind of closed the door to my faith and I became super, I've always been a huge extrovert. Like I I love being around people. I don't like being the center of attention, but I love being around people. I love being in large groups. I love just being out and about. And so when my mom first got diagnosed, I really kind of just closed off from the world. I quit volleyball my senior year. I think I took two or three classes because it's all I needed in order to graduate. And I felt myself just diving into her diagnosis. Like I started researching everything that I could to figure out, you know, what our future was going to look like. And I just kind of soaked into that. And that's where my focus was. And then my, I think it was my first year of college, I went to school to become a teacher. I was going to be an early elementary teacher. And I was taking one of my classes to learn how to teach math. It was how to teach kindergartners math. And I remember sitting in class one day and I was like, this is not for me. Nope, I this is I can't do it. And so I remember going and sitting with my guidance counselor at Shemekeda and I had no clue what I wanted to do. And this kind of also stems back from my childhood. I feel like my entire life I've always struggled with what is my purpose? What am I meant to do? And no matter what I did in life, I always felt like eventually it wasn't where I was meant to be. You know, when I was at the Mormon church, all of a sudden I just like as I was growing up, I felt like, okay, I'm not I'm not meant to be here. And then I did volleyball and then it was like, I'm not meant to continue volleyball. Like I'm not meant to do this past high school. And then I would do other things and I just always felt like at some point I would move on to something else. And so I've always struggled with what is my purpose? Like, what am I here for? And I'll touch on that some more. But I remember sitting with my guidance counselor and I didn't know what I was going to do with my future. I was so scared to go tell my dad that I wanted to quit going to school for teaching, mainly just because I had already done a whole year 
And so my guidance counselor was like, well, why don't we look at your credits that you have and see what other professions or degrees you could get with those same classes so that you're not wasting anything. And I'm like, sure, (laughs) you know, give me some guidance here. That's why you're a guidance counselor. And so I remember sitting there and he was going through and he was like, you know, you have all of the requirements that you need to go for your medical assisting. And I thought, well, you know, I've always like kind of like hemmed and hawed about being a nurse. So if I get my medical assisting, can I continue on to my nursing? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. So I remember going home and telling my dad that I, you know, thought that I wanted to go to nursing and I switched all of my classes for the next remaining couple semesters and I finished out that year doing my medical assisting. And then Shemekata canceled their medical assisting program. And I just thought, I, what am I going to do now? You know, so I started looking for other schools. I didn't know what to do. And I remember finding Pioneer Pacific, which was kind of like a trade college, I guess is what they call it. And they had a medical assisting program that I could get my associates. And so I transferred over there. While I was going to school for my medical assisting, I was also working at a care home in Charbonneau, which is like Wilsonville area. During that time, a lot of my residents were were very strong in their faith. And I remember always like going in their rooms and they would they would ask me to pray with them or different things like that. And I always, I always did. I always prayed with them, you know, and I still deep inside, I still knew that God was real, but I just, I think I was still at a place of hurt. And one of my coworkers who worked in the kitchen, because I was a caregiver, she came to me and we were just chit-chatting one day on our lunch. We were talking about motorcycles for some reason. And she said that her boyfriend's roommate had a motorcycle, but she couldn't remember what it was called. Like she had no clue what kind of motorcycle it was. So I said, well, just text him and have him send you a picture and I can tell you what kind of motorcycle it is. And about 30 minutes later, I get a text message of a picture from some random number, which is a motorcycle with a guy sitting on it. And I think to myself, I'm like, oh, the okay, it's a crotch rocket. Like, don't even look at the guy on the bike. I just look at the bike. <laughs> so then... I respond with my text message that just says, nice bike, and in that subject. And then the same guy responds back, and he's like, that's it, just nice bike? And I'm like, yep, nice bike. And then he friended me on Facebook, and we, or MySpace, I guess, back then. Like, it was that long ago. I do feel old now. And we chatted for a while, and then eventually... She told me, she's like, hey, Nick says you should bring him to the Christmas party. And I was like, well, I work, but if you want to bring him, go for it. Like, that's up to you. And so he shows up with her at the Christmas party. Long story short, his car breaks down that night. So they end up all needing a ride home afterwards. So I got to go home in the same car with them and I got to talk and get to know him some. And we just started talking from there. He was a volunteer firefighter for the fire department. And my father was a police officer. So he had already known of him and knew of his family and all these things. So the next night, I got invited to the fire department's Christmas party. And I remember my dad saying, with who? And I was like, Nick Robinson. And he just was like, no way. And I was like, yeah, but he's seven years older than me. I just don't, I just don't know. And I was so unsure. And my dad just really pushed me to go. And so I did. And yeah, my husband and I have been inseparable ever since. So we were together, I think it was like a little over a year. We got engaged in June and then we planned our wedding for July. Because my mom was diagnosed with cancer, 
you know, we've always kind of been in a limbo of how long do we get to enjoy our time with her? And so the minute he proposed, I was ready to get married the next month because I wanted to make sure that my mom was there on my wedding day. That was one of my biggest things was I did not want to get married without my mom there. And he kind of talked me into waiting a year, which we did. So we got married July 28th of 2012. And my mom was there, which was amazing. But I remember right after we got married, it was like, okay, now we need to hurry and have a kid because I want to experience that with my mom, you know? And so I think it was about a month later, we got pregnant after we were married. I think that was probably one of the biggest turning points for me because at that point I was no longer just looking after myself. I had another human to think about. And so, of course, I think to my parents, and my parents are some of the biggest supporters and people that have influenced my life growing up. I would never be where I am today or who I am without either one of them. Something that they've always instilled in me is that they're very big in faith. And and so I knew that I wanted to make sure that my son knew that, that he knew his that he knew faith and that he was able to make that choice on his own like I was. And so I was very adamant with kind of my husband. You know, we kind of had conversations, and I just said, I really want to find a place that I feel we are all comfortable as a family going to church and giving him that background. We went to a lot of different churches in town, which there are some amazing churches in this town. And we would go to one, and then we'd get back in the car, and we'd just kind of discuss how it went. And it was it was interesting because some I would love for one reason or he would love for another reason or we would both like it, but we just were like, I still feel like we need to keep searching. And so one Sunday morning, we walked into Coast Hills and both of us just kind of looked at each other and it was like we just had a peace. It was just, it was a really weird, weird moment. And people were so welcoming to us. They just genuinely cared who we were and just welcomed us into into their home, basically. And so we started attending there. And I started attending a small group there because I really felt like I was at a place where I wanted to explore my faith. And like I said, I, I've always known that God was real, but I just wanted to really start pressing into it. Like I was ready to finally press into that. And so I just, you know, kept praying that, kept praying that. And I also was just kind of dealing with a lot at that time because I was helping take care of my mom. I was having a baby. You know, my husband's a firefighter, plus he worked a full-time job because he was a volunteer then. So it's just like we had a lot on our plate. And I just, again, was at a place in my life where I was like, what is happening? Another thing that I forgot to mention was I was going to school for my medical assisting, which I finished. Finished my medical assisting in 2010. Then I started doing some prereqs for my nursing. And so about the same time when I was pressing into my faith and different things, I had quit my job. My husband was working for Volkswagen of Salem, and I had quit my job to stay home with my son because my mom was his caretaker. My mom was the one that babysat my son when he was first born. And she had started to progress And she was at a point where it just, it was too much for her to watch an infant. And I didn't know what to do because I'm like, I'm not making enough to even pay for daycare. Like by the time we pay for daycare, my check is maybe going to bring $50, $100 home. Like it's just, and so at that same time, my husband was working for McMinnville Volkswagen and Salem Volkswagen called him 
and was like, we want to, we want you to come work for us. It was such a blessing because it gave us the income from his job alone so that I could quit my job and be home. And we didn't even have to think about putting my son somewhere else. So then I was at home. So I was doing my pre-ex or my nursing because I was home. So I figured I might as well do some online schooling. One day I was driving to work with my husband and we were going through Hopewell and we come around the corner and he goes, oh, look, there was a car accident here. And I was like, oh, how'd you know? And he was like, because of the tire marks. Well, he was a volunteer then. So he had a pager. Well, his pager immediately goes off. And he's like, oh, that's a fresh, that's an accident right now. So he whips in a driveway and turns around and stops and he gets out and I freeze. I can't move. I literally, as much as I wanted to move, my body was not moving. And I I went into complete, like, I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know what I'm about to see and I can't move. And he comes back and he's like, get out of the car. I may need your help. Come to find out it was a cold call, but somebody didn't didn't see like the tape and so they had called it in. But at that moment, I thought to myself, I should not be a nurse. Like, <laughs> here we are getting ready to see a trauma and I freeze. And so that was a huge turning point for me, realizing that nursing wasn't really where I was meant to be either. And so at this time that we found the church, I was really struggling. I was really struggling with what am I supposed to do with my life? Here I am. I have a child. I don't really have faith. I really don't have a job. I really feel like I don't have a purpose for anything other than just being a body here. I started a small group with that church and one night we were, we would listen to like a recording and then we would talk about it afterwards. And as we're sitting there, the leader is writing on a piece of paper. And I just, in my mind instantly, I'm like, he's writing something to me. I just felt it, but it was like a really weird. And I'm like, no, this is just like crazy. So then the recording stops and we start talking and he's like, Kelsey, I just need to say something. And he hands me this piece of paper and the date is, so this was in 2015, February 8th, which is actually the day after my birthday. But he said, the father really spoke to me and there were some things that I wrote down that I want to share with you. And I was like, okay. And here I am in a room of all these people that I hardly even know. I already feel completely worthless in life. And I'm just like, what is about to happen, you know? And he says, you are extremely bright. And he says two meanings. That has two different meanings. The Father loves your curiosity, which was a huge word for me because throughout everything, even when, you know, I wasn't really strong in my faith, I still had that curiosity. Like I never let go of that, even when I kind of shut myself off from it. And he says, you are a strong, confident leader, a heart of compassion, and you are the rock foundation for your immediate and extended family. And so I just am, of course, bawling at this point. And he's, this was the part that right here was where I feel like my whole life changed. And he says, this is what the Lord said to me. I have heard her requests. I will assure her, look, listen, and abide in me. Spend time with me. And so then he said that the Lord had shared Psalm 84, verse 3 and 4 with him and It reads, even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at her altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise. And for me, that was my answer. It was like I had always wanted 
church to feel like a home for me. And that was like him throwing it in my face right there. It just really resonated with me because I was also pregnant with our second child. And I just was really, really felt called to really come into my faith and find a place that felt like home for us. And it was like God answered everything that I had been asking at that point, you know, trying to figure out where where I was meant to be at that time. And so we eventually had our second son and our oldest went to school and I started working at the school, which is where I met Jessica. And I remember coming into my interview with Jessica and I, when I left, we hugged and I remember we said to each other, was this really an interview or just two friends talking? Like, I remember it just like, it didn't feel like a real interview, even though it was. But then I worked there for about a year and then my mom started progressing again at that point, I was so torn because I really loved being an infant teacher. I really loved being with the kids. I felt like it was, you know, a great place for me. But I also knew that one of my biggest priorities was being there for my mom through everything that she was going through. And I remember coming home to my husband several nights and I was just like, I just, I feel so torn. Like I I can't be there for my kids. I can't be there for my job plus my mom. You know, it's just, it's just all becoming too much. And he just was like, you know, maybe it's time that you step back from the teaching and just be there for your mom. And again, it's, you know, with cancer, you never know how long you're going to have with that person. And my husband made a good point And he was like, the school is always going to be there. You know, your mom may not always be here. That is such a beautiful way to think about it. We get caught up so often in making decisions because we're we're looking at today or we're just feeling like we can't please anybody. We've got too much on our plate and so we feel like we're sort of failing at all of it. And I hear that over and over and over again. And so women listening, please know you are not alone. Please give yourself permission to say no to some things and to realize that you aren't meant to have 10,000 things on your plate. Some of those things, while they are good and wonderful, they just might need to be put on pause. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to throw them away forever and it doesn't take anything away from your identity. It's just timing. So much of our answers come back to timing and God's timing. And I think that was so true in your story right now of some of the things you had on your plate, you knew you could go back to and that then that might be another season of your life uh, in the future, but that the priority at that moment was your mom and that sacrifice. And really you as a mom were caring for multiple generations and putting them first and prioritizing that. And, you know, props to your husband for recognizing that and supporting you in that. That That's huge. I mean, well done. You know, at this point in your story, you, you had such a turning point when you were pregnant with Kent and, and got that, that really that prophetic word, that prayer. It's so easy for us to hear those moments and or sort of, you know, watch somebody's life movie and, oh, here's this beautiful moment. We've reached the mountaintop and everything's beautiful. And so therefore, we're supposed to just ride off into the sunset and live happily ever after. And it's just going to be perfect. And I don't know anybody whose life went that way. (laughs) So you still had chapters after. There are still moments where you're trying to find your purpose and, and care for your mom. So... So now with your husband's insight and wisdom, you've shifted gears 
taking things off your plate. But what's left was not easy. What was that chapter like? Yeah, I just want to say again that when I was going through that, I I know how the women out there can feel if they're going through that time in their life. Because for me, I think even though I knew that I needed to listen to my husband and I knew I needed to take something off my plate, it was another place in my life where I felt like, okay, here I am again, not having a purpose. I was doing something and now I feel like that's no longer my purpose. And so even though it was a huge turning point for me to get things off my plate, it also was a point in my life where I started to question things again. And I still, you know, that's one of my biggest struggles throughout my entire life is just being like, what is my purpose? And so my mom had gotten worse and I was basically taking care of her full time. You know, my dad's there taking care of her too, but I think that God had taken me through the time in my life of medical school so that I could be there for my family because I have been able to be an advocate for my mom with doctors and everything else to get her the care that she needs because as most of you that know that don't really aren't in the medical field, it's not very easy to always understand, especially when there's big diagnoses. And so if you're not in the medical field, that can be kind of alarming and sometimes you can't always get the best care. And so it's nice to have somebody who can advocate for that. And so that was kind of my place. And my husband then got his full-time firefighting job, which came at the perfect time. Kent had just been born and he got hired in Depot Bay. I remember just seeing how happy he was and finally getting that job he had tried for so long that when he finally found that permanent home that He just was over the moon. And I remember with that came, you know, wildfires and things like that and different things that we really hadn't experienced yet as a married couple with kids. And so my mom had kind of progressed and, you know, we had come to the conclusion that it wasn't smart for me to kind of have a job because that way I could be there for our boys, but I could also be there for my mom. And so my husband started working shift life, which means that he was gone overnight because he works 48 hours at a time. So he's at his station for 48 hours and then he's home for four days. And during that time, my mom has kind of progressed more and more. It was getting to the point where I would have to get up in the middle of the night and wake my kids up and get them in the car and go to my parents' house to take care of something if something was happening with my mom, if she was having an adverse reaction or something, some symptoms were happening, or sometimes she would just need me. And so I started, you know, kind of getting my husband to see, you know, hey, can we start maybe looking at somewhere to move closer to my parents? And so we started looking at a house and we came to the conclusion that it just was not meant to be, but we happened to go around the corner to turn around to go back home and at the end of this cul-de-sac was this big beautiful home that was for sale and it happened to literally butt up to the back of my parents house and so of course the first thing I do is I go on Zillow and I look up you know what's this house worth and it was way out of our price range it just was not even an option and so I remember thinking to myself well this is not gonna happen but it kept it just kept sitting in the back of my mind. And so I finally said something to my husband and he was like, let's go look at it. And I just thought, okay, this is his way of getting his wife to go look at it, realize it's too expensive, and then we'll just be done with it. And we walked in the house. The song, This Is How I Fight My Battles was playing. And our youngest has literally sang that song since he was like a baby. It's one of his favorite songs. And he used to just 
Like, I have many videos of him as a baby singing that song. And it's one of my favorites. And the minute we walked in the house, that song was playing. That's definitely a God thing. So then we started going through the process of looking at buying the house and different things happened and eventually the sale fell through. Well, about a couple weeks later, I went to the IF gathering, which is a huge uh, church gathering or like women's gathering that they've had. And I walked in and I was I was walking in by myself. And here I am, a, a, a woman at this point that has struggled her whole life with not feeling enough and not feeling part of anything and just really struggling with everything. And our pastor's wife, Beth Yoder, walked over to me and she said, will you sit at our table? And so I said, yes, because I didn't have anywhere else to sit, you know. And I remember going and sitting down at the table and across the table was the woman that we were going to buy the home from. I just, after that weekend, I, the sale had already fallen through. So the house was no longer going to be ours. And I got sat at the table with her and I got to meet her and we kind of chatted a little bit. And then I went home to my husband and I told him, I said, I just really feel like we're still meant to buy that house. And he's like, me too. And my husband is a very black and white person. So when he was like, me too, it was my reassurance of, okay, I'm not going crazy. And lo and behold, long story short, we end up buying the home and we end up moving right behind my parents. As much of a blessing that it was for us to move right behind my parents for my parents' sake, for me to help take care of my mom, it has been an even bigger blessing for us, for my parents' help, because my husband is a firefighter full-time now, so he's gone a lot. But then with wildfires, he can be gone for months at a time. So it's just been, it's been a huge blessing for us to have that. I think that was another big turning point for me because it was another thing that I felt like God had answered my prayers. And even though we had gone through all of these trials, that he, he was bringing goodness out of that. One of the hardest things that I've struggled with, with my mom's illness, she has always said that she's like, she's scared of dying. And I feel that's because she doesn't really, you know, it's scary and she doesn't really know what that life after is or she doesn't really know what to think or what to believe and so that's kind of hard for her and so it's been one of the hardest things for me is to watch her have to go through this without her faith and throughout my life we've also had other family members or friends of you know friends or close friends that have had cancer and they've had to walk through what my mom's walked through but they've had their faith along the whole way and I think it's made it a little bit easier for them to walk through it and for the first probably 10 years of my mom's diagnosis, you know, my mom, she doesn't really talk about faith or anything like that. And then you have me who was kind of questioning my faith. And so it's been amazing to see how I think both of us have grown through that. And so then when we moved closer to her and she kind of saw the process with the house and everything, I remember her saying, you know, she said, oh, that's a God thing. Like, And it was just a reassurance to me. And so she's progressively gotten worse and she she had been falling a lot and she was falling like all the time. And I remember my dad calling me over and, you know, being like, I need you over here. She fell and I need help getting her up and different things like that. And it was different for me because in the past when she started progressing, it was it was a scary thing for me. It was like I was scared what was going to happen and things like that. But I think I've just I'm finally at a place that I'm at such peace that I have that comfort knowing that when it is her time to go, that she's no longer going to be suffering. And as my oldest will tell me, she'll no longer be sick. And so it's like I just during her, during most of her her, her illness, 
I haven't had my faith to be there and be a support. And now that I have that, it's such a relief and it allows me to have that peace. And I think it allows me also to be there more for her and be more present and not scared of the situation and allows me to be closer to her. But I still have always, you know, yes, I'm there to be her caretaker, but I felt like I needed a bigger purpose. Like, what is my actual purpose here on earth? And one of my girlfriends who actually lives right next door, which was another huge blessing, when we moved into the house, two doors over was one of my, she's now my best friend, but she became a huge part of my life. And recently she had given me this book that she was starting and it's called The Purpose Driven Life. And when she first gave it to me, I was definitely excited to read it. And it was like a, it's like a Bible study. It's a 40 day Bible study and we were going to do it together. You know, she works different schedule because she's a 911 dispatcher. So she works crazy schedules. And then, you know, my husband's gone all the time. And so it was just hard to kind of get together to do it all the time. But I finally just started doing it one day and started reading it on my own. And I just thought, I'm going to dedicate the next 40 days. I am going to get up every single morning at 6 a.m. And I'm going to read this in silence before my kids are awake. And I'm going to dedicate my time to it. One day in December, I was sitting there reading one of the days. And the quote popped out that was on the page. And it said, our life here on earth is temporary. You will never find complete happiness here on earth because you were created for so much more. And it popped out to me because I feel like that's the biggest thing that I've struggled with my whole life is finding that happiness and that purpose and really figuring out what I'm meant to do. You know, my husband has always wanted to be a firefighter, and now he is. He had that purpose. He's fulfilled that purpose, and he's continuing it. So for me, you know, my dad, police officer, wanted it his whole life, became a police officer, did it his whole life. And everyone around me, it was like they had found this purpose and they had lived it out and are still living it out. And I just felt like I was in limbo and I just didn't know where I was meant to be. And so those words struck me really hard. And then we went to church that morning and our pastor had been talking about using the the gifts that God had given us and investing in them for a greater reward. And so I'm sitting there and I'm telling myself like, What are your gifts? What has God given you? And I'm not really getting an answer. And then I'm sitting there and I just keep hearing this little whisper in my ear that says you over and over again. I'm one of those people that like there are only very few times that I feel like the Lord has said something to me. And so I just kind of sometimes will be like, no, that's just me talking like and try to shove it out. And it kept getting louder and louder. It was like he was literally screaming in my ear and just kept saying you. So then I, you know, pressed into that and my whole life I've done everything to to please somebody else or to do different things or I've jumped from thing to thing and I've just never been able to find that purpose. And so when I started diving into that and really heard him say you, I wanted to kind of unpack that. What I've realized is that God has placed each thing in my life for that season And our life here is temporary, so therefore some people have a purpose, and that purpose is their same purpose throughout their whole life. But for me, it was realizing that my purpose was me being a gift to somebody else in that time that they needed it. I was a gift to, you know, my son's school helping them. I was a gift to my mom to care for her. I was a gift to my kids to to be there for them. It was a gift for me to go through nursing so that I could be there for my mom. And all these different things just started making sense in my life. 
And so as I started unpacking that, I just realized that God was really showing me that I did have a purpose. And the whole time, my purpose was right there in front of me. And my purpose was being that caretaker for everybody else. And so I just really started looking into that. And something that I do each year is that I I choose a word for my year. I used to do the New Year's resolution type of thing, but a couple years ago, I decided that I was just going to pick a word rather than trying to make these goals that I had to hit. And so I had picked a word for 2021, and my word was abundantly. And the reason that I chose that was because I felt like God had finally given me my purpose, which was so abundant, like I had done so much of that purpose already in my life, even though most of it I felt worthless. But now it was like I had that answer of why I went through everything that I did and where I was in my life was a was for a purpose. And so I had chosen this word abundantly. After Dean had asked, had done that speak about the you, I had shared it on my Facebook page, kind of just telling a little bit of a story about it. And so then the following Sunday, we went to church as a family. And one of the other speakers had asked me if he could share about it because it kind of had sparked his speaking about that week. And I said, absolutely, totally, like you can share it. And so he kind of shared a little bit about it, but I still get chills thinking about this because it's so crazy. But we were sitting there and he started talking about it and shared what I was talking about. And he asked at the very end, does the number 1555 mean anything to anyone? (laughs) And my husband and I look at each other. And we instantly, I just burst into tears. And I raised my hand and I said, that's our address of the home that God has put in our lives for obviously a reason. And so he said that God had spoken a word to him and he wanted to share with us kind of in private afterwards. And so after church, he comes over to us and and he shared the word favor. He said, God just gives me the word of favor over your life, that it is literally going to be so much of God's favor that it's going to overflow to other people. And so I went home that night. And of course, here I am again. Now I'm at the point in my life, in my faith, that when something is spoken over me or someone shares something with me, I just want to unpack it. Like I just want to dive into it and learn everything I can. So I start looking up different things. And I pull up Pinterest, which I don't know if any of you know that, but it's a great site to find like quotes and just different things. So I pull it up. And on it, it had Ephesians 3.20, which says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is within us. And that's the scripture. But in Pinterest, it said, I'm speaking this over my life. And it said, God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think because I honor him. His blessings will chase me down and overtake me. I will be in the right place at the right time. People will go out of their way to be good to me. I am surrounded by God's favor. It was literally like he just put my whole life in a scripture. And I can't even tell you how much. It was like I've spent 30 years wondering what my purpose in life is and you know, I've even had really dark times. And right in that scripture, it was he literally just gave me everything and put it all into one. And and that's where I am today. And I am so thankful that even through everything that I've went through and even the times that I turned away from him, he continued to chase me down, which is exactly what it says, is that he chases after me. 
And listeners, he is chasing after you too. This story is Kelsey's story that God wrote for her life, but those words, abundantly, favor, finding your purpose, all of that applies to all of you. There's not a single woman listening that is out of God's reach. Kelsey, as we're starting to wrap up a little bit, you have shared a lot already kind of on this, but for the woman who's completely identifying with lack of purpose, why am I here? What's the point? What am I supposed to do? Especially kind of going back to that plate too full analogy, when when she takes something off her plate and feels like she loses part of her identity and purpose in doing that and is trying to to juggle and it's just complicated. But if you had a chance just to sit with her and encourage her about her purpose, just briefly, you know, what what would you say to her? Absolutely. I think my biggest my biggest encouragement is just to to really be faithful and know that God closes doors when it's meant to be closed and he opens doors when doors are meant to be open and that no matter where you're at in life know that there's a reason for it and that you may not know right in that moment what that reason is but eventually you will and so much of your story is an example of that just being open to God's timing and having your eyes open to what he's doing everything from jobs to a verse to the house and to a song. And on that note, I have a little surprise for you. (laughs) Uh, You talked about the song, This Is How I Fight My Battles. So uh, we have some pretty amazing musicians that are part of Calvary Mac, and Becca Carlson is going to perform that song for you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, this is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, this is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. 
It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. You amaze me. That was beautiful, as as always. And thank you so much for doing that for us. Yes, thank you. That was a such a sweet surprise. So thank you. Another reason we wanted to share that song is because there's a lyric in there that we are surrounded by God's love. When we feel like we're surrounded by impossible things and or just the walls are caving in on us, it's a reminder that no, 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 we're, we're surrounded by God's protection. And uh, before we close in prayer, we just have one more quick, amazing little story, ladies, to share with you. So Kelsey, when you're thinking of God's protection, just his surrounding love, your husband got to witness something pretty miraculous. What did he see? Yeah, so my husband attended the campfire down in California, which was probably one of the biggest devastation fires that has happened close to us. And he got called to a welfare check. A caretaker could not get back to check on the person that they were caring for. And so they needed them to go and check on them to see if they were okay and if they got out. And so my husband arrived with his crew and all of the homes around this home are burnt to the ground. And even this home itself had fire that had gotten all the way up to the sides. I mean, siding was burnt. 
you know, so they assumed that either this person had to have gotten out or they're probably going to have some smoke inhalation or things like that. And so my husband and his crew went into the home. And when they walked in the home, they said there literally was not even a, a sight of smoke anywhere. And the person inside, he didn't even have a clue that there was a fire going on and was 100% safe and was able to, they were able to get that person out. But they just didn't even know that it was even happening. It you know it gives me chills every time I hear you share that of just the walls of protection that 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 person was just completely surrounded by God's provision and ladies if you've been listening to this podcast for a while I hope you just connected the dots because Kelsey just referred to the campfire which was down in Paradise California and episode twenty three we heard from Jamie and her story of how her family fled the flames and how their home and their entire community was just burnt to the ground. This was the same fire and the same community that we're talking about right now. So all of our stories are interconnected. And I just encourage you to open your eyes this week and look for the way that God has connected the dots. And we are praying that you would find your purpose. Kelsey, I wanted to ask for you to pray for the women who are looking for their purpose But real quickly, before I hand it off to you to pray, I wanted to pray for your mom. Jesus, we are coming before you, thanking you for the lives and the stories that you've created and that you're writing. And right now, I want to bring Kelsey's mom, Tammy, to you. You know every part of her story and you know exactly how many days she has left. And we're asking for an incredible healing, God, and for your hand to be on her and on her family, that she would know you so deeply, that she would just feel you surrounding her in the same way that that person in the campfire was completely surrounded by your protection during the fire. Would you do that for Tammy in her life as well? Lord, this is how we fight our battles. We come to you because you already won. We will see a victory. And it might not be in our timing or the way we imagined it, but we can trust you because you are victorious. And so we ask for your hand on her, over her cancer, over her days, her life, her timing, Lord, more than anything that she would just find peace with you. And we pray this, Jesus, Lord, in your name. Dear Lord, I just want to put a special blessing upon all those women out there that are going through something similar that I went through of finding their purpose in you, Lord, and in their purpose here on earth. And I just ask that you lift them up and that you continue chasing after them like you did me, Lord, and that they they can find their purpose and and find their path in life, Lord. And I just ask you to give them wonderful blessings. And we say Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you so much for sharing your story, for just being so raw and open about the struggles that so many listeners identify with and just sort of deal with. We don't often talk about it, but I am I'm so appreciative of you. Thank you for taking time to do this. I know we've talked about it for a long time, so it's really special to sit here next to you and, and get to record this. Ladies, we hope you were blessed and encouraged, and we hope that if you haven't read it yet, you have already gone on Amazon and purchased The Purpose Driven Life. This book actually means so much to Kelsey that in her just outpouring of love and generosity, she wants to make sure that 
that the book is available for you, even if financially that's not an option for you right now. So if you go to the the episode notes and email me directly that you would like a copy of the book but just can't financially afford one right now, we have that for you as a gift. And that that is a huge thanks to Kelsey. She is just paying this forward. And I think it's such a beautiful, beautiful gift. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you come back for our next story. The Story Night Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com slash women. Women.